This is episode 187 of the Focused Mindset Podcast. Today, you get to listen in on a conversation that I had with Dan Gentry. He's a performance coach, a life coach, a speaker, and the owner of Third Power Performance. You're going to hear all about that and about how to value the most important relationships in your life. Also, we reflect a little bit on the TEDx event that happened recently because Dan was my speaking coach. So this is a really special episode. Let's get started. This is the podcast where you learn how to build stronger connections and have better conversations using the solution-focused approach. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a solution-focused life coach, and each week we learn new strategies so that we can build our families strong and be the person that we were always meant to be. You can learn more about our products and services by going to thefocusedmindset.com or hop over to Amazon to get 30 Days to Higher Hopes. Hello, welcome to the Focused Mindset Podcast. And today I have a super cool guest. I have Daniel Dan Gentry Gentry here, and I just blew your name big time, even though we just talked about it, because I was going to call you Dan, and then I say Daniel, and then it's, but it is Daniel. It is, but you know what? It's okay. You know, what, what was it? You can call me Dan. You can call me Daniel. You can call me anything you want, just not late for dinner. Um, so Dan Gentry is from Third Power Performance. And we were able to get in contact through the TEDx Ocala event that happened recently that you guys are aware I was able to speak at. And Dan was my speaker coach. Yay! (laughs) And um, for a while, as we began to talk, we knew that there was uh, quite a bit of common ground as far as what we like to put out in the world and how we like to help people And I am just very privileged to be able to have you on today to talk to us a little bit about that. And um, before we even get started, tell me a little bit about what is Third Power Performance and tell me a little bit about you. Excellent. Well, I just before before we get into all all of that, I just want to say it was it was so cool being connected with you for TEDx Ocala. Uh, That has always been a. I've, I love the event, uh, you know, so it was just really cool to be moved from a speaker last year to actually helping somebody through that process and all of that. So it was, it's been an absolute pleasure. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll just say that first. You were able, the year, just last year, you were a speaker and you've been involved with TEDx Ocala for how many years now? Uh, eight years. Wow. In one form or another, one form or another. You've watched it evolve, watch it grow, um, and been able to emcee. And then if any of you want to jump over and watch his talk, it's amazing. What's it titled? (laughs) It's Find Your Personal Purpose. That's right. Uh, Find Your Personal Purpose. And I listened to it and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky to have him as a coach. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) And you are so helpful for real because as you guys uh, are totally aware, it's 
kind of like you can have a vision for something, but lack focus, which is a lot of what we talk about on my podcast, is we want to have a focused mindset. And one of the ways that we do that is by allowing others to help you with that and being vulnerable enough to say, you know what, this isn't something I've done before help me. (laughs) And that's exactly why Ted uh, wants us to have coaches and why you decided to step up to the plate and be a coach this year. And you were amazing. So thank you so much. I don't know. You were in the audience. How do you think it went? Oh, I mean, I loved it. I mean, you know, you walk out on stage and I'm like, yes, and just (laughs) knocked it out of the park. I'm, I'm so excited for everybody to be able to hear your talk. I'm excited for it to come out so that I can watch it again. Right. <laughs> For sure. But, uh, but yeah, the whole event was fantastic and just so many good ideas. And just, I know that the message that you're putting out there about finding hope about, uh, you know, guiding conversation, it just, it's so, so important in, in today's world where it's, you know, well, here's what you need to do, right. You know, it's, you know, it, it's, we want to give advice. And it's like, here's what you need to do. It's like, no, let's listen. I, it was so crazy walking out onto that stage <clears throat> that I still haven't really processed it. I don't know how long it took for you to really process the event because it's a lot heavier than a lot of other events. You just go out, you do your training or whatever you're asked to do, and then you you take off. But in this one, there's a lot of gravity that you feel, mm-hmm. and the audience was absolutely amazing. Was it that way last year for you too? Is that kind of oh, the yeah. way that – I mean – they just fed you with positive energy like I could not believe. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about the TED, TEDx, you know, experience, right, is everybody's coming there because they want to experience good ideas, right? They're coming there with the open mind and, you know, wanting to be there, wanting to listen and just you're, you're so true. It is that outpouring of you know, goodwill and good energy. Right. And so it is walking out. You know, I I remember walking out on, on that stage was, it was one of the coolest moments for me. And you know, what's, what's weird is I've done a lot of speaking. I've been on a lot of stages and, and, you know, talked about life balance and talked about purpose and all of that. This was, it was somehow different. It was just a very different feel. It's actually pretty cool. Pretty good. Yeah. Now, the, the one question you did ask is how long does it take before it really sets in? And you're like, okay. Um, it, it took a couple of weeks for me to kind of like, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then, then I'm right on track, I so guess. You're in good shape. Because we're only, as of this recording, we're, we're not even two weeks out. And I yeah. sat down to write a, um, a blog about it. And I thought, you know, I think I'm ready. And I just felt like I couldn't even process what I had been through. Like there were so many thoughts flowing through my mind that I just kind of put it aside for a minute because it was a powerful moment to be able to have something for me and maybe for you as well, something that I had um, been in my mind that I hoped would come to flourishing for a little while. So it wasn't as if the moment that we got that email saying, hey, you're invited, that that the journey didn't start there. You know, it started before that. I'm sure that was the case for you as well. Indeed. Yeah, because I had actually applied a couple of times to, you know, to speak. And um, but it's there's a lot of competition there. So uh, 
it was it was neat to let but well like you said you know getting the the email that hey you're in you're going to do it the journey started a couple of years beforehand and actually mm. i mean if you if you want to get real deep it actually started like 20 years ago when the story that i told in my speech happened true that was that was the beginning of that journey that's a good and, point you know going into the <laughs> the fun shall we say um that that led me to be doing what i'm doing now but honestly like the journey of what you went through is preparing you even for sharing that exactly. you know yeah. yeah that's 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 heavy it's i get you but that's actually pretty heavy if you <laughs> to be honest like the whole if you really think of the gravity of that because it means like what we're doing right now in our life what is it preparing us for Exactly. You know, um, I mean, that's um, that's something for us to sit and say, OK, you know, OK. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, it's so funny. I saw a great uh, meme online the other day that was like, you know, we're all worried, you know, or whenever somebody like talks about time travel in the movies or whatever, you're worried that you're going to like step on a butter, you know, mess up a butterfly and it's going to change <laughs> the future in dramatic ways. Right. I have never worried about that. Jeff. Okay. Well, but, but here's, but here's, I, maybe I should, now I'm going to dang it. No, I'm just kidding. Well, but it was like th that this, some little tiny thing was going to make a huge difference in the future. And the, the thing was, well, why don't you then do the important little things now to make a dramatic difference in your future? Yes. Right. Yeah, and so, on purpose. On purpose, right? So I just I thought that was so it was so interesting because there are those events that happened, you know, um, that where it's this is a big deal, right? This is this is a traumatic or or whatever, and then how do we how do we take that and move forward in a positive? How do we use it in our life for? to make some kind of, um, impact, exactly. you know, it's kind of the attitude of coming up on, um, on Thanksgiving here pretty soon when we're recording live. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the attitude of gratitude, but yes. in a sense where we can, it's, it's a hardest thing you can do is to choose to be, have gratitude even for our difficult moments. Yeah. That's tough. But that's there's power in that because then we can begin to refocus to mm -hmm. saying maybe there's something that's going to come of this that's bigger than this, you know. Right. Well, and, and it's the the same kind of thing where you know we talk about courage and in the same way that courage is not a lack of fear; it's feeling the fear and doing it anyway. Mm. And so when we have these moments that are you know traumatic or whatever. Um, maintaining hope is that's the courage, right? Right. Not because it's easy, right? It's so easy to fall into hopelessness. My personal feeling is everything happens for a reason, right? Mm. And there's, you know, it's not the, as Jim Rohn says, it's not the blowing of the wind. It's a set of our sails, right? It's oh, how do true. we want to use that, you know, this horrible thing, but use it for good, Right. That's what led us, you know, setting our sails, doing our, you know, yeah. our, our tack. Yeah. And, and it does take a lot of steps forward into the uncomfortable realm too, because, you know, yes. you have to apply and then say, all right, fine, I'll apply again. And okay, fine, I'll apply again. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So what is third power performance? So um, third power performance is my, basically it's my company. It's my mission to make the world a better place. I mean, in its core thing, but what it really is, is it's, it's speaking. I do speaking and coaching and helping people find um, their personal purpose. Um, I have a, a concept that it's in my talk, but I talk about it a lot more is, you know, being a drifter or commander. It's so often, so many of us are just kind of drifting through life, right? Um, we're in the, in the, in the little dinghy and the rowboat in the middle of the ocean. And like, we're just going around in circles because um, we're just drifting. And so for me, I want to help people take command of their life, which is one of the reasons why I loved coaching, you know, and I love coaching you on, on this talk is like helping give people, here's the purpose, here's the direction we're going and here are the things to watch out for. And so my company is really, it's me talking about that kind of thing and helping people through it. I'm actually getting ready to launch my um, round table, which is a, um, Kind of basically like a community online community where we all get together and do you know talks and that sort of stuff so um and be a yeah. community hmm? and be a community together and, and which be, we be all a community need. and help people you know it, it's basically what it really boils down to is like accountability right you know you've got your your workout partner at the gym you're going to go to the gym where if it's just you eh, maybe I'll, you know, I'll go, I'll drive right on by, go to Starbucks, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I like to say that my personal mission in life is um, to make the song Cats in the Cradle just a song and not a story about anybody. Oh, I don't know if you're, if you're super I'm familiar. very familiar. Yeah. It's one of my husband's favorite, actually. Yeah, it's um, whenever possible. If I we if I ever go out and do in doing karaoke, I always try to do that song first. Um, I, I know it's not the most upbeat for like a karaoke kind of thing, but yeah, it's always been my. Nonetheless, it's your go-to. <laughs> it is my it is my go-to for to start with, and then we'll have some fun later. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> then you go to highway. To... No, not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I can do one ACDC song and that, really well. I there are a bunch of them I can do, but my voice can only handle doing one song. <laughs> then you're through, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that is the end. It's the end of it for the whole night. After that, <laughs> yeah, I did "Sweet Child of Mine" once. That wasn't such a. I was done after. <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> Anyways, anyway. um. Anyways, no, I, it is surprising that you even brought up that song because that's um, one of my husband's favorite. He plays it and, and just kind of really because it's a story, but it's a story that is about relationships, you know, but I think so many times we do miss that we have a purpose and, and that it's up to us to um, seek out that purpose, not just let whatever comes our way, just drift us along. So I like that idea of being like, are you on a boat? Just letting it just toss you wherever, mm -hmm. or do you, you know, actively go towards the shore, wherever you're trying to go? Um, what kind of helped you clarify this vision of yours and then move forward with it? Um, well, I actually have like a, basically a course that I made that I, I walk people through the process of, you know, 
how do you find that purpose? You know, what are the, you know, what are the lessons that you want to want to teach? What are I, what, what I call your lighthouses, right? What's that? We can either be a warning or, you know, encouragement to people. It's like, here's, here's what I did that worked. Do that. Here's what I did. Don't do what I did. Right. And you most minor generally more don't do that. Um, <laughs> But it's, you know, and then it's finding your passions. What do you really love to do? Um, and then, you know, kind of combining all of that together with some of my other, um, the other stuff that I talk about with the life triad and, and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. But it's really helping you come up with like a, a purpose statement or, or kind of what's your personal mission. Yes. Kind of like your mantra. It, yes. That, so, I, you know, I'm trying to make that difference in the world. That's that's really what it boils down to. I think that that's something that um, that does get lost in our society of hard work and just work, 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 you know, and just get to the next thing. And you'll probably be able to get a raise along the way and possibly a promotion. And then before you know it, you might be in a place that is nowhere near what's going to give you peace in your life, no. you know. And so I feel as though people... Um, Two things. One is having a community of accountability, like you said, right. is something that becomes more and more rare as we grow older. I feel as though friendships and accountability friendships become harder to connect with. And so I think it's going to be a powerful tool once you launch that for the people that gravitate towards your message. And and hopefully, I don't know, I mean, probably do you gravitate mostly towards helping other men or um, both? Or? It's It's funny. Um, my, cause my target is really people like me 20 years ago, right? Mm. It's that successful professional male. Um, but I also find that my message tends to resonate more frequently with women. Huh. Um, I, and part of that makes sense, you know, from a societal perspective, men are not supposed to be the, you know, we can't be vulnerable, we can't, you know, we're not necessarily introspective. Um, you know, that's not something that's lauded, shall we yeah, say. Yeah, it's like, right? it's it's somewhat of like a, oh, no, you're you're not a tough man if you show too much of that kind of thing, which I really despise. I despise that. Well, yeah. Um, and so in order to really understand that your life is out of balance and that to understand the song cats in the cradle where you know you have your your children but you're away at work and you're not there when they grow up that has been glamorized as mm -hmm. the hard work you know you're a hard working guy right um where the spend time with your family you know well that's that's mom's job right um that's why I feel as though your message really, I hope, resonates even through who we're talking to today with with more men, because um, I find there's a lot of fathers that I've interviewed on my podcast and a lot of men that I talk to that will admit to me, even when I'm counseling with their child, when they know they're in a confidential situation, they'll say, I've struggled with my mental health, too. I've struggled with those same things. And I feel like there's a whole bunch of men out there that wish so much that they could have a manly way to be vulnerable, <laughs> you yeah. know, some way yeah. that they could do that. And still, and I don't think that, 
I think you might be just the right person to really push that through because we need it. You know, we really, really need our men not to be devalued for being manly, but also to say, okay, I'm going to be real with the fact that I need to realign my values right now that I've got off course, that I'm overworking, you know, these type of things. And the second thing that it makes me think about is the fact that um, it's okay for men to reevaluate if they're on that hamster wheel. (laughs) So it could be any age, you know? Yeah. Well, and and that's funny. The the line that I, I, that still wakes me up from my TEDx talk was the whole idea where my entire plan was work hard, get promoted, make more money, repeat until you die. Right. I mean, that was my, that was the whole plan. I'm what just, more do you need? Lots right. of money and the, everything, you know, everything will work out. And <laughs> spoiler alert. That's not the way it worked. <laughs> um, and so for me, it, it comes back to that whole um, courage is mm-hmm. not the absence of fear. It's feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And to, to be vulnerable to be able to talk about the, you know, have I, you know, have I screwed up as a father, right? To be able to ask that question, there's fear there, Heck right? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, nobody wants to be a failure, <laughs> right? Um, and so that's what, you know, I, I hope that in some small way, you know, my, me sharing some of these stories is that it's okay, right. To, to be that, have that vulnerability and to understand that, you know, we all make mistakes, but you know, was it the, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is now. Right. right. So, you know, we can make a difference now, even like, you know, I have, you know, some of my kids are grown and have their own kids now. It's still not too late to improve that relationship and to, you know, to build that up. So, um, you know, I'm very fortunate that I, you know, I've still got my, my two boys at home, not for much longer, but, you know, my son's a senior in high school. You're growing up, baby. <laughs> and then, you know, and then I've got, I've got my other one for a few more years, but, yeah. but I, you know, I want them to understand. And so I, they were in the audience for, mm-hmm you know, for my TEDx talk, actually, they were in the audience for yours as well. They were, uh, yep. But um, is to understand that this is the, I talk about generational habits and that the whole concept of the, you know, the absentee father who's just working and providing the money, the whole cats in the cradle thing, um, that's an ab- that's a generational habit. And so if I can break that habit with my boys that I can get them to understand this is the way it should be. I can break that generational negative habit and instill one that's going to go forward beyond me. Right. It's my legacy. That's where that purpose comes in. That's I I don't want cats in the cradle to be a story about anybody. That's that. It's beyond, and this is one of the things about our purpose, is it's beyond our lifetime. Right. The time, right? And so that, for me, that's that's why I do what I do. And that's why I, I love this, the conversation that we're having, is because I, you know, I'm changing it in my family, where I mm-hmm. have direct influence, 
at least doing my best. You know, kids, for some reason, they have their own brains and don't always do what we tell them. But, um, <laughs> but really? yeah, exactly. I know. Who knew? Um, but if I can help, you know, a few other people that have that same and I can help them break the generational habit for their kids. Yeah. Right. That's like that's that's the juice, man. I, I know that, that just that gets me excited. I get chills. I get I get chills. You're on you're on a path that from this side being a school counselor for the past twenty years, hmm. uh, the stories that I hear from the 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 boys that I counsel um, proves to me that you're on the right track. You know, so I want to encourage you in plowing forward with your mission because it's not just something that comes upon you and then you have a need to help others. It's something that people really do struggle with because I have boys that sit with me and and I ask them about their parents and they say, I don't know my dad. I don't see him. He doesn't know me. And then you know what that translates in? They don't care about me. And they don't know the difference. And it takes years and years and years for them to sort out that their father is not it when they're off at work, it has nothing to do with their, how the, how much they care. And I feel as though if a father has a job that is very demanding, there's nothing wrong with that. But the, they, if they never voice the fact that the reason they're working, what they're doing when they're working, if they don't involve their child in their work and talk to them about that and talk about the values and and uh, and yeah. really love on them in the time that they have, then the child doesn't know that automatically, Correct. you know, and, and so many dads think they do. And I see it all the time. And then it translates into how are you feeling? And they don't know it takes them three or four meetings to be able to feel comfortable enough with me to just share how they're feeling. Yeah. And as you can imagine, I bring a girl in there and they're telling me how they're feeling before we hit the door of my office, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, but once they do, they say the same things. I feel frustrated. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get good grades. I don't know if my mom's happy with me, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So this proves to me that, it's time to break these general generational uh, habits that have not served us well. And, um, and I think it needs to happen with our fathers redefining how they approach their work. It doesn't mean change their work necessarily, you know, um, I don't know. Speak on that. What do you think about that? There you <laughs> yeah. go. There's a whole yeah. bunch to talk yeah. about. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, the, you're absolutely right. And, and one of the big things that uh, that, get, I, I, that gets talked a lot about, and they, they actually, a couple of the speakers kind of poked fun at it um, at TEDx, is work-life balance, right? Yeah, that was funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, there's this, I like to call it a work-life harmony more than a balance, right? Um, and... The reality of it is, is if you want to accomplish great things, you can't have balance. You have Mm. to have a kind of a myopic focus on what you want to do. Right. And, and that's okay. And I I call it being out of balance on purpose. Right. And the challenge is, is that for so many people, especially men, you know, we're working and, you know, we're providing and we're doing all of the things that society tells us we 
should do. Therefore, our family must know that we love them. Right. Right. And the reality is, no, not necessarily. You know, they they need to hear it. It's a bizarre thing because it's like the man that's out working every single day and they may think about their family a hundred times. Mm-hmm. And if they never, ever voice it, somehow it doesn't get translated to the one that they're even thinking about. It's a very interesting thing in relationships. Yes. And it, it and it really is the little things. I did a podcast, God, probably a, a year ago now, maybe more. Um, but it was, you know, basically how a glass of water saved my marriage, right? Oh, uh, right. And it was, it was a little bit hyperbole. The marriage was never really in. Um, right, of course. But the thing is, is that one of the things that I do, um, my my wife always has a glass of water next to her at, at, in, in the in the night because she gets thirsty and throat gets dry. Well, it's just it's my job that I bring her a glass of water. When I come into the bedroom, I bring and put it there, right? That's your role. That That's, yeah. And it's like, it's this little tiny thing. I mean, it takes like literally 15 seconds to fill up the gla- glass of water because I'm walking that way anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the fact that I was thinking about you and I wanted to do this thing for you, right? Yes, that's and such a perfect example. And it, so it's the the emotional bank account. I've heard it referred to as that too, where you're as long as you're constantly making deposits, when stuff happens, and trust me, stuff's gonna happen right. uh, in life. Right? You don't know when you may need a little bit of grace, mm-hmm. and you know. And so, as fathers, we have to remember that we're putting money in the financial bank account, but we also need to be putting deposits in the emotional bank account. Right. And, and, and I say fathers, it's the same thing for, for, for women, you know, lots of women who are the breadwinners and are working and all of that. Right. Um, so they need to remember as well, but the overgeneralization, right. Right. And as we're talking about the generational things that have gone on. Yeah, exactly. So, so in, you know, the overgeneralization is that, you know, women are usually more in touch with the the feelings anyway, and they, they kind of deal with that deposits mm-hmm. in the emotional bank account. Uh, men have to be reminded a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think it's just, we got to say it like it is. We can't pretend like it doesn't exist because that's when we don't give people what they need. So here we have a generation of fathers that do want to do things differently and do also still want to be successful in their career that hopefully they love, or maybe they need to make a big change to be able to find uh, their purpose for real. Um, That can happen at any age. My husband recently changed jobs and it took a long time for him to process and figure out how he might make a big change that he needed for his life. So then once people kind of gravitate towards your message um, then now you provide an actual step-by-step method of how they might do that. So they're not left out floundering and figuring that out. Indeed. And you know, I do want to say, this is one of the reasons why your message and your talk really resonated with me too. The real piece that so many people are missing and what is keeping them in that drifter mentality is they're missing hope, right? That they 
they don't have somebody to talk to that will walk them through how to, you know, how to fix their own, their own issues. Right. Um, it, it is amazing to me how many people I've coached, you know, I provide some tactics and I provide some, some different perspectives, <clears throat> but I don't think that there is a single person that I've talked to that didn't know what they needed to do really. Right. Right. They just needed somebody to help them reflect and give them the, the hope and that it's, yeah. You know, create your plan and it's okay to start and start badly. Right. We're missing, we're, we're basically, it's, it's missing hope. Yeah. Because I think that you're right. I'm picturing men like driving. I don't know why I keep going. I just know that it's a huge, huge issue. Like you're driving at work or wherever. And the thought is I'm stuck here, you oh. know, like <laughs> I'm, and, and, and when you have that feeling of being stuck, that is hope kind of like sucking away from your life as you, you know, it's just like rolling out the window as you, you know, because, you know, feeling stuck is an awful feeling and people feel stuck because they need that money. They feel like they've worked hard for that career. They've, oh you know, God. done all that. And then how in the world can they find vision if they're feeling stuck? You know, do you, yeah. how do you approach that? Because I went through that in the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your last year has been full of change and <laughs> that's, a, that's a very kind, it, this, these moments you've been through will only help people in the future, but it's been pretty hard. I know for what you've been through even this year. Yeah. It's, it's been a challenge, you know, cause I, as we talked, you know, last November I did my TEDx talk and yes. a few weeks later, my stepfather went into the hospital mm. up having, um, having some pretty aggressive cancer. Um, so he passed in January. And so that was, you know, that was pretty hard. Um, you know, trying to deal with all of that. And, you know, my mom had been in, you know, the Christmas before <laughs> Christmas, 2021, uh, she had a stroke. So I spent the entire Christmas holiday in the hospital and then Christmas, 2022, <laughs> whole week, whole, whole uh, right. holiday in, in the hospital dealing with with my stepfather. Um, so, but uh, what made it even more fun is that the, the job that I had been at for 15, 16 years, um, had changed Mm. and it, it was the kind of thing where you, you said something that really kind of clicked with me. It was like, I, I remember the, the, the day that was okay change it's change is happening this week whoa uh the 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 thing was i woke up and my very first thought was shit i gotta do this again right there you go there's that stuck and i'm just i you know i was like mm-hmm. i'm like i know i'm not stuck i've got so many opportunities and yeah all that that but it was that feeling of just what do I, what, I'm going to, I'm going to lose that income if I just right. change. Right. It leaves you in that place. Right. Yeah. So. And that changed. Indeed. Wow. So, I mean, and then, and, and then what we were alluding to, even during the time when you were coaching me, <laughs> you had the most massive uh, uh, situation that nobody ever wants to go through. And so I was so happy that 
even though you you had to take care of what you needed to take care of, that you were able to also find it within you to be there for for me as a coach. So that was fun because um, you know we got assigned, we started working together, it, it, you know, and I think we'd gotten your talk into a good a good spot. I sent you a text message. Um, not going to be around for a couple of weeks. No, um, it was funny because I knew something and you're like, I'm like, how was your week? You're all, it was just about as bad as it could possibly be. <laughs> you're just totally frank about it. I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> this can't be good. <laughs> uh, October 15th, uh, my mother passed. Mm. So my mom had had a stroke, as I said, in uh, 2021. And then, you know, when my stepfather died, I was basically kind of caretaking for her as well as dealing with work and everything else. So, um, and then in October, she had another major, major stroke. And I, I was, I was out of the state. I was in Louisiana at the time, um, doing everything by phone. So it just, yeah, that one was, a that was a definitely a gut punch. Um, yeah. So, but I'm so glad that you're already choosing how in the moment and as you went through it, you were kind of like making those conscious choices on how you were going to deal with it. Um, because it, what's your podcast called again? Uh, Third Power Life. So Third Power Life, you guys will have to follow it along with, you know, have it be right next to mine because you, um, you were vulnerable enough to go ahead and talk about it. And I have to say that I, I definitely encourage everyone to go and listen to that episode only because it very much... Um, will make a lot of sense as far as our conversation here, because yeah. it is true that, you know, relationships and your relations with people are so important. And you were able to speak to the importance of the time that you spent with your mother while she was still alive. And, um, and that actually goes into what we were just talking about is reaching out and those moments we have with our kids, you know, it's really, really should be the basis of, why we do what we do, you know, is our relationship with the people that we love. Yes. And, and that's, you know, and again, that's why I, I like your message so much is that, that the hopeful conversations and, and all of that, it's really, when you boil it down, it's about connecting and mm -hmm. it's about, you know, it's not waiting your turn to talk. It's true connection with the person to help them have hope. And, you know, the, it was funny, the, the, the podcast I did about, you know, about my mom and all of that, I, I wasn't sure I was going to publish it. Honestly, mm. um, <laughs> I'm glad you did. I thought but, it was beautifully done. So, uh, but um, we don't know how much time we have. We really don't. And that's why um, more than, you know, having a, a good emotional bank account, those deposits that you're making, as long as you're making them consistently like a, like a good deposit in a bank, it can continue after you pass. Mm. And, you know, so it's the, take the time to appreciate everybody in your world to understand the gift that you have of having them. And that's, you know, coming back to the, you know, the, the fathers and the cats and the, you know, that's really what it's about is 
what was her name? The Australian nurse that did the five uh, fears of the die or regrets of the dying. Um, I don't know. Oh, anyway, if you look at it, it's fantastic. But it was like, I wish I had lived a life the way I wanted versus trying to be what everybody else wanted. Mm, so true. But she said that for all of her male patients, it was always, I wish I hadn't spent so much time at the office. Wow. I wish See? I hadn't worked so hard. In the corporate world or in any job, really, you can be replaced like that. Yep. In your family, you cannot. Thank you. That's so true. Right. And that is, I mean, we just need to plaster that all over the place to re, you know, every time, every time we even have the uh, uh, inkling of trying to get things out of balance, you know, then we realize, cause I do think, I mean, I, I like the jokes about the balance and stuff, but I think we do need to be aware because it's unrealistic to think that we're always going to, um, sometimes things are going to feel a little more balanced. Sometimes they're not, but I think it's important that we're aware of where we're at because exactly. if not, then how can we ever gauge it? You know, to say we're not giving enough to the things that matter the most, you know. Right. And, and that's why, you know, when I talk about being out of balance on purpose, it's actually, it's absolutely what I mean. It's like, I understand that for this month or this two months or whatever it is, I'm going to be really hyper-focused on getting this thing done. But I'm also aware that I'm not going to be spending as much time with my children or with my family, but I want them to understand, here's what I'm doing. Right. Here's why. Right. But still, because in my life balance, I've got not their nine areas of life balance. Um, it's the triad twice, so three times three. Anyway. Um, and my thing is they don't all have to be, the same amount of time or the same amount of energy or anything, but you need to make sure that they're all covered and that you are okay with the status of each area. Good point. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's huge. Right? Yeah. You know, so you, you know, your philanthropy and your, you know, friendships, they're going to be taking a pause or, you know, even my spiritual life may be taking a, a pause so that I can do this big deal, but I know they're okay. Right. And whenever. Yeah. And so when, even while I'm focusing on this big deal, okay, everybody's still good. All right. Right. So it doesn't have to be a huge amount of energy, but it needs to be monitored, I guess. Right. And I know that you really helped me with that too, during our coaching, um, where there was a moment when we were coaching where I thought, I'm beginning to feel a little bit guilty for focusing so much on this. You know, like I'm, I feel as though it's always in my brain. I'm always thinking about yeah. if I need to tweak it or what I need to do or as the writing. And you had um, told me <laughs> the Mount um, climbing Mount Everest analogy that I then told other people because it mattered so much to me where it was like, there's not a lot of people that climb Mount Everest, but those people that do had to focus on their training. They had to focus on what they were doing. And for a while, that's probably all they thought about. But that's okay because they're training for something big that not very many people do. And uh, and that's kind of like what got me through the times when I needed to hyper-focus on making sure I was prepared. But then 
bringing my daughter into it. You know, she was a part of that of process and understanding what I was doing. And I had a little mock thing here in California that she was able to go to and listen to me talk since she couldn't come with us. And um, I think that speaks to us being on purpose, but also making deliberate choices through that time that bring our loved ones into a place of community with us. And I just love seeing your sons there. They were volunteering and your oldest son didn't even realize that you were coaching me. Um, your younger one was back there hustling. And so him yeah. and I, we talked quite a bit and he was, he knew that, you know, you were, I was the one you were helping The the younger one, I mean, the older one, he was, uh, he was talking with me and I, he goes, Oh, uh, the person he was with really liked my talk. And he goes, my dad's here too. My dad's one of the coaches. And I'm all, oh, really? Who's your dad? He's like, oh, he's that guy. I'm all, that guy's my coach. <laughs> <That's everything." laughs> he's all, oh, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> and so uh, yeah. I said, hey, you must be the son that your younger brother said was um, getting volunteer hours for sitting out and watching rather than uh, doing your volunteer time. And he was like, oh, <laughs> so yeah, we had a about right. Yeah, we had a good little banter there, but it was so neat to see them supporting you. And just uh, it was a, a wonderful moment as a parent to parent situation. It's important for us to have our priorities in line and for our to understand the power of the performance and th third power of performance, all that it's all important, but what's most important are relationships, Indeed. right? It's, it's Absolutely. the number one thing, the people we love and the relationships we build. So. Indeed. You know, I mean, that's what we're leaving our legacy for. It's, it's not us. No. You know? Yeah. So Indeed. now I need to figure out, where do I, where do, what do I put in the show notes here? How do people find you? Ah, <laughs> excellent. Um, so uh, thirdpowerlife.com okay. is, is an easy one. You can do thirdpowerperformance.com too, but um, thirdpowerlife is just easier to remember. Uh, <laughs> yes. And um, one of the things that I'm really interested in, you know, if, if people do want to go is I made a, a survey. I call it my commander survey. So awesome. it's like, I think nine or 10 questions where you kind of like, sort of like personality profile kind of thing, but it's where are you on that journey between yeah, drifter to commander and all of that. Yes. So that's, it's a, it's a neat process for, you know, it, it starts the whole like self-evaluation, which is absolutely necessary for you to find your purpose and to, to honestly, to make any type of a change is you have to start with where am I now, right? Before you create the plans, you can, you have all the plans in the world, but where am I starting from? Right. You know, my, my travel plan from here to, you know, to New York depends very much if I'm in Paris or if I'm in Florida, right? They're very True. different paths to go. Um, so you got to know where you are. Uh, so so that's, that's on your website that they could take that or? Yes. Okay. The so third power life. So look for the, wh where do they, what do they look for on your website to take that survey? Uh, it's big and bold. It's the commander survey. Commander survey. All right. So everyone is going to check the link if you forgot, but head over and take the commander survey. And then it's going to be just the beginning of an amazing journey of life, right? <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> 
<laughs> for sure. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. And also thank you for coaching me in that amazing event that in my life and that we were able to share that. And what a blessing that we're able to be in contact. I think it's really just an added benefit, the uh, friendship that we've been able to grow here. So thank you so much. Absolutely. And, you know, I just, I feel so um, honored that I get to be part of your journey. Um, so uh, it, it's, I, I really love where you're going and what you're doing. And so anything that I can do to help, I'm more than happy to do. Oh, thank you so much, Dan. All right. So it's time for us to say goodbye. Until next time, thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Before you go, don't forget to check the show notes where I'm going to leave the links to my social media and the different places you can find me. And I want to invite you to be a part of my email community. It's absolutely free. And this year I'm doing so much writing and so much reflecting, and I want to send things directly to you. I send the special notes to my email community and you can email me right back. You have a direct line to ask me questions without any barriers of a website or anything. Check the show notes for that link or go to thefocusedmindset.com. And if you click on getting the journal prompts, you also automatically are able to be a part of my community. And if you're interested in supporting this program, there's three ways to do it. One, make sure you're following this program so it comes up as one of your favorites. Two, share it either on your social media or with someone you love straight to their email. And the third is to leave a review. And I love reading those. By supporting this program, we're helping people be solution-focused. See you next week.